The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We're going to talk about the return of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I said it. Um, we're going to talk it what that means, what happens next as Aaron Rodgers is on the precipice of returning to the Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk about Giannis Embiid, recap Buck Sixers a little bit, talk about hypothetical playoff matchups, and why I think Giannis and Embiid is easily the best matchup for the NBA and the future of the league, even though I think the drama heads of NBA Twitter, NBA life would prefer something else. Lastly, we will talk about why the first weekend of no football is actually okay. Um, why I enjoy not having football on Sunday. I think I've done this pocket, this pod top before, but it's worth bringing up every year because I think it's a, a good reminder. And I think you guys will understand. I don't know if you'll get be fully on board. If you really miss football, maybe you won't be, but it's a topic that I feel kind of strongly about, weirdly. Um, so we'll talk about that at the end. Um, make sure you're following us on all the socials, uh, tapping the keg on Insta- on Twitter, excuse me, and Instagram, tapping the keg sports, uh, as well as TikTok and Facebook. So follow us on a couple. I'd appreciate it. Um, if you're new to the show, welcome. Make sure you're subscribing. If you aren't new to the show and you this is your daily routine or you're popping in for the first time in a while, leave us a little review. Leave us a little rating. Hope you do all of that. Big things to come. Have some ideas around March Madness. Um, so I think that will be our kind of next big thing. I'm really hoping to start doing some interviews as well. Um, just want to kind of talk about where where we're going if there's anyone you want to see on the podcast anyone you you know think like they'd be a good guest for us to get please let me know um i would definitely be open to any ideas um i have a few of my own um but let me know if there's anybody that you think would be a great guest for the show all right let's waste no more time let's talk about the return of aaron Rodgers. aaron Rodgers is coming back I think that is the easiest thing to say. I think I can say that loud and proud. I think I can say that with conviction. I don't think I have to do well if or maybe or could come back. No, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. I think we all know this by now because the way that everything has transpired this offseason, we had the fact that Tom Clements gets a job recently. So we'll start from the top. Tom Clements or from most recent to other different little things that have happened throughout the last few few weeks. We had Tom Clements becomes the Packers quarterbacks coach. Tom Clements was a revered guy for Aaron Rodgers. Tom Clements retired similarly to boxers. They don't NFL coaches don't actually retire. They just kind of retire when they want to, and then they come back when when they're called upon slash when they want, want a situation that feels good. Tom Clements is back with the Packers. Tom Clements was the offensive coordinator for a little bit, if you remember, when Mike McCarthy gave that role over after the disaster in 2014, and then Clements was used as a scapegoat. Even though there were some injuries, there was a team who I don't think was exactly all in at that point, and Clements lost his job. Um, Matt LaFleur brings Tom Clements back. I don't know if there's a relationship between LaFleur and Clements uh, from the Notre Dame days um, when LaFleur was there. I don't think so. I think Clements was at Notre Dame far earlier than that. But regardless, this was a nod to bringing Aaron Rodgers back. Tom Clements does not come out of retirement if Aaron Rodgers isn't joining him. Tom and Aaron are good friends, and I guarantee you there was a conversation between the two. And I also 
believe that the organization asked Aaron, who would you like to be the quarterback's coach? And is it someone on the staff? Is it somebody who we're not thinking of? And I think Aaron said, well, I would love to work with Clements again. If Clements is available and wants to do it, I would love to work with him. And so there you go. They have a quarterback's coach in place that will not necessarily be a quote-unquote new guy. It will be somebody that Aaron is very comfortable with. And that brings more to the table of bringing Aaron back. You also had the Rappaport report on Super Bowl Sunday that said the Packers were optimistic that Aaron Rodgers would come back, that they would rework his deal. They'd make him the highest paid quarterback in football, but it'd be on a more short-term basis and that the contract structure would be similar to what New Orleans did with Drew Brees. Now, hearing the, the, the word Drew Brees makes, I think, everybody a little bit nervous with the way Brees sort of pittered out in the final moments of his career. I don't really see that with Aaron Rodgers. I just think that he's a back-to-back MVP. I don't think there's anything that we have to worry about of Aaron Rodgers' powers just completely falling apart. So I think a new deal is coming, and I think that new deal will happen this week. I think you are going to see Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers get a deal done in the next week because we have the franchise tag due, I believe, on the 26th. I believe that is a date. We have another contract date coming up this weekend, which we can talk about in a second here. But I, I think that's the sort of the big date for everybody is the 26th. So once the 26th is there, it's like, yeah, we are going to franchise Devontae. Devontae is not going to be happy about the franchise tag. I understand why Devontae will be upset. The franchise tag is a vehicle in sports that nobody really does like, and it's crazy it's there in the player empowerment era. But at the end of the day, Devontae is still making, I think, somewhere like $18 million next year. So it's not like Devontae is getting you know, just chump change. It's not like Devontae is getting tagged for like a million dollars. So I I realize that Devontae wants that long-term security. I get it. But I also do think that this is what you signed up for. This was part of the CBA. So that's that's how it goes, right? And Devontae is going to get tagged and that'll probably happen next, what's that, next Friday? Yeah, or next Saturday, excuse me. Next Saturday will likely be the day where we know that Devontae Adams has been tagged. But before that, we need the new Aaron Rodgers deal to basically free up whatever whatever it takes. Now, I have not seen Aaron Rodgers pull the Tom Brady and take the minimum amount of money to make sure his team is the most successful. I have no idea if Aaron Rodgers will do that. I am not going to assume that because, look, Tom Brady is a special fucking case. I've said this before, but it bears repeating with the, the contract negotiations likely going on. Tom Brady is married to a supermodel wife who makes like $100 million a year, okay? She might even make more than that. She shits money, okay? Like they can wipe their ass with a $100 bill and it wouldn't affect them. So Tom Brady can be like, yeah, I'll take the minimum. It doesn't matter. It'd be like some dad who could stay at home because his wife's the CEO of some company and he can wash the kids, That's kind of what it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let let me be very clear on that. But I mean, it's my dream personally, because then I could just do the blog podcast. Like that's, that's the dream. Okay. That's, that's it. You know, I just need my wife to become a CEO and then just let me basically just do podcasts and blogs and shit like that and write. And that's, that basically would be my life. That would be ideal for me. But, 
We got a long way to go. We got a long way to go for that, fellas. And ladies, whoever whoever is listening. Uh, but yeah, that basically is why the Brady Rogers stuff is not one to one. We can't we can't compare Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in this scenario. I know we want to. I know it's it's really fucking easy to do it, but Tom Brady has all the money in the world because of his wife. Aaron Rodgers, I know he has to joke, he doesn't have a wife right now. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He's single. It's his money. And I think if he were to marry Shailene Woodley, honestly, I don't know what Shailene's finances are. Not to, They're not at Giselle level. But yeah, Rodgers could potentially take a pay cut. And also, too, like I, I know that we talked a little bit about why we care about the, the breakup. And I, I mentioned it a little bit yesterday. But yeah, the breakup is part of this. Like Shailene probably thought Aaron was leaving. Probably thought he was retiring. Probably more so than him going to Denver. I think she thought he was retiring. I think he said, like, I just want one more year. Kind of sick of all this shit. And and I'm going to just just live with you in Boulder. We're going to have a happy life. Like, you know, whatever. Do whatever we need to do. Um, and then, you know, the competitive streak. He kind of kept saying it to McAfee that, like, he doesn't fear retirement, but he's super competitive. He still knows he can do it. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers sees the NFC right now and is like, my top competition is Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott. That's it. And those two guys are nothing to worry about. Yeah, could a team get Russell Wilson and level up? Sure. Could a team get Deshaun Watson? Yes. But right now, those are my two biggest competitors, and I'm not really worried about either of them. And the NFC can be mine, and I can win the NFC and finally finish what I've started. But Aaron, And so that, to me, is why that competitive streak and why Aaron Rodgers wants to come back. And he has a great relationship with Matt LaFleur. I think that should have been our first sign. I It wasn't like I ever wavered that Aaron Rodgers was leaving. I felt like I'd always smile when I was like on the treadmill in the morning and Get Up was on. They're like, Aaron Rodgers to Denver. Aaron Rodgers to the AFC. Why would Aaron Rodgers want to leave? It's like, guys, don't you understand? He, he isn't leaving. He isn't going away. He's staying. And his relationship with Matt LaFleur, I think, is a huge part of this. I think Matt LaFleur and him are really close. And I think that Rodgers likes working with LaFleur and vice versa. And I also think that that Brian Gunacoust and Russ Ball and Mark Murphy have mended so many fences with Aaron Rodgers this year that everything is good. It's never, maybe never been better. And they're taking care of Aaron Rodgers as he should have done. Because he's the star. So what happens now? So what so we're kind of we've laid out why this has happened. We've laid out why the return is imminent. But what happens next? So first of all, Jordan Love, besides the franchise tag, which we mentioned, we already mentioned the franchise tag with Devante. There's some contract decisions to be made tomorrow, actually, which we'll talk about in a second. But Jordan Love is the guy I want to focus on. I said for months, you can go back in October. You can go, I, I think I started talking about this in October. There's a topic. I might have to link the blog, link the podcast at some point. I have a podcast where I lay out the case of trading Jordan Love. And I say, you know what? Brian Gunacoust admits a mistake. He had an all-time blunder. It sucks. Yes, they could have had T. Higgins. Sure. I will die on the table. I will bang my, my paws to say like, Aaron Rodgers was showing signs of decline. Aaron Rodgers was showing signs of a guy who was heading into the twilight of his career. 
The Jordan Love draft pick woke Aaron Rodgers up and said, you are no different than Brett Favre. You're no different than all the other Packers that we've had before. And it drove Aaron Rodgers crazy. And it led to an MVP. And it led to Aaron Rodgers being unhappy with the organization and the organization basically doing a 180. Jordan Love does not look ready. Jordan Love does not necessarily look like the guy at this point. I think that Jordan Love could definitely prosper on a team who might not have that high of expectations. I think if you're saying, well, best case scenario, we slide into the sixth or seventh seed, that's great. I've said, I said back in October that Pittsburgh should trade for Jordan Love. I still think that Pittsburgh is the destination for Jordan Love. I think Pittsburgh would rather get a guy who basically has been there before versus, you know, a Matt Corral or a Sam Howell in the second round or Malik Willis. I think Pittsburgh would rather have sort of a guy that's already been established. Now, the interesting wrinkle with Pittsburgh is that their GM is brand new. So would this GM look at it and say, all right, I want Malik Willis and kind of pave my own legacy? I think it's a conversation with him and Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin's going to yield a lot of power in that room. Not that Mike Tomlin is going to be the, the GM, but I do think that Mike Tomlin is going to have a lot to say on who will become the next quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'd argue that Jordan Love would probably be a better option than Malik Willis or Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett for that matter. And I, I think... I think you have to realize that everything's in front of that offense. Like, that offense is ready to go. They just need a quarterback. I mean, I don't think they would trade for Deshaun Watson. just doesn't seem like a franchise that would do it. But you look at it and you're like, okay, you have Chase Claypool, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Juju goes somewhere else. You have Fryermuth. You have Najee Harris. Like, you have basically cornerstones for everything except for a quarterback. If you get a guy like Jordan Love for maybe a two-thirds and a fourth, Jordan Love then goes to Pittsburgh and could be the next Roethlisberger. That's potentially on the table. It would be hilarious if he went to Denver. I, I don't think Denver will draft him because Denver has the highest pick of all these all these teams. I think the commanders maybe sniff around, but again, they're, they're in prime position to draft a quarterback. Now, the commanders could say we don't necessarily... It, it, it's a, it just comes down to... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut my own, my own thought off, but it's it really comes down to, do you want a rookie quarterback or do you want a guy who's been in the Packers system, who's learned from Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur? And I do think that angle of LaFleur matters. Sean McVay, who's on, in the LaFleur tree, I say LaFleur is more on the Shanahan tree than the McVay tree. I, I think that's going to matter to some teams. I think some teams are going to look at that and say, all right, we want... We want Jordan Love to kind of be the guy. And I think they'd prefer to trade Jordan Love into the AFC. So there isn't this Jordan Love, you know, has this incredible year and is a playoff contender. They win the division and then it's Pat, it's Love versus Rodgers, you know, in the playoffs, which would be crazy. But I, I definitely I definitely think they'd like to avoid that. So I think a team like Pittsburgh, a team like Denver could could definitely be on the table. But yeah, I think Jordan Love is going to get moved. I think Jordan Love will get traded. I doubt Jordan Love will be here for another year. I think the Packers will reset at quarterback, talk to Rodgers about probably drafting somebody in the third or fourth round or bringing someone in like Marcus Mariota, who 
Malafleur has really enjoyed, I think, throughout the years, and they have Mariota come in and then basically have a, a draft someone next year when the quarterback draft is a little bit better than this year. So we'll see. Last part of the what happens next, the Packers have four contracts to think about. Um, if they do not you know, take on the signing bonus, um, these guys become free agents. Um, it's Kevin King, it's Shannon Sullivan, it's Robert Tunyon, and it's Devondre Campbell. So the Packers, I'm sorry, it's not the signing bonus, pardon me. It's if they get the extent, if they do a contract extension with any of the four. Now, the idea would be that if you don't do a deal with these guys, you're okay with them to walk in free agency. Kevin King, I think, will walk. I don't think there's any, while I was impressed with what Kevin King did this season, I think for the money that Kevin King made last year, I think you could get him cheaper. I just don't think he played enough snaps to to justify $6 million a year, and the Packers are in a really good spot with Stokes and Alexander. If Kevin King wants to, quote-unquote, take a demotion and be sort of a rover corner for the Packers next year at a cheaper value, I'm okay with that. I think Kevin King had a sneaky good year. I don't think it was a, a bad year for Kevin King. Shannon Sullivan, I kind of feel the same way. I It's not a ton of money. And maybe he comes back for cheap, but I'm not that high on Shando. I thought Shando had some moments, um, but they they can definitely find a slot corner in the draft, or if they think Shamar Jean Charles can be that guy. You know, I'm not necessarily all in on the idea of Chando um, for for the Green Bay Packers. Tonian's a really interesting one, right? Because he has an ACL tear, but I do think if Tonian's going to be a free agent, he will get a lot of money. I think there will be a lot of money for Bob Tunyon in the market. I also, Bob Tunyon, a Rodgers guy, a guy that Aaron Rodgers really likes, um, a guy that Aaron Rodgers, I think, would want in his offense next season, um, a guy that I think if he was there against San Francisco, I think things are a little bit differently. So I, I expect them to work on something for Tunyon. Um, I would be surprised if they didn't, um, honestly. And then Devondre Campbell, I don't know, man. I struggle with Campbell. Um, more at that you look and the more you kind of peek behind the curtain, it, Campbell had moments where he was really good. And I think it, we just were not used to having a reliable middle linebacker because the Packers did have some you know flaws with their defense. They took a step back in terms of stopping the run. They had you know issues on the edge and they, they might not have achieved exactly what they wanted. So I don't know. I, I think that there would be a case not to bring Campbell back. I, I mean, he is at a cheap cheap cost, but I also think Campbell's going to ask for, you know, something around the lines of like a three-year, three-year 18, three-year $20 million deal. I don't know if I want to do that for a middle linebacker. I agree with the Packers that they can pump and dump middle linebackers. I just think you have to look for guys that are similar to Campbell, that fit the Campbell mold, or you draft somebody early on that could basically, you know, be a starter day one. Um, and we'll see. We'll see what Green Bay does. But I would say Tunyon's the only one that I expect Green Bay to bring back. I think the corner position is pretty set. I think they can figure that out. And I think middle linebacker, they'll they'll move on from as well. So that, that'll be there. Um, probably a topic on Monday because everyone will freak out that Campbell's going to be a free agent. Um, but we'll talk about that. We'll let that simmer and we'll have that for Monday's show. So Aaron Rodgers, I can't wait for him to come back. I think that's going to happen next week. 
I think then we'll talk we'll franchise tag. We'll have so much going on Packer-wise, but it's really good that Aaron Rodgers is back. I also want to do like a deep dive on fandom and how fans should feel about Aaron Rodgers, but we'll we'll do that next week. Maybe we'll even bitch. Who knows? All right, let's talk Bucks Sixers. So the Bucks lost last night. Uh, I told you guys to take things with a grain of salt when it came to the Bucks yesterday, just given the fact that they are a depleted roster. They did get DeAndre Bembry, but then De- DeAndre Bembry had a sore thumb, so they proceeded with caution and did not play Bembry. So the Bucks were a skeleton unit. Jordan Nora started. Jordan Nora actually closed. Lendo Wigginton at, at points also was part of the closing rotation. The real problem with the Bucks yesterday was the final five minutes. The Bucks could easily won that game. I kind of expected the Bucks to kind of turn it over. It not in the sense of actually turning it over, but basically sort of having a six zero run or an eight zero run and pulling away. Pulling away would have been the better term than turning it over. Maybe it was a, a Freudian slip there because the Bucks had multiple turnovers in that final five minutes. If the Bucks just have one run in, in the last five minutes, they win that game. Philly did not want to win that game. Philly, I don't think, really have, have the guys to sort of deliver in that final five minutes. I realize Embiid's pretty good, but I, I do think Embiid can be slowed down in those five minutes. I feel perfectly fine about the matchup with the Sixers. I am not worried one bit. I said that on uh, the review last night. I I really feel that way because I think you can throw a lot at Embiid with the Bucs. Like, you could do a Baca. You can do Brooke Lopez when he comes back. I don't think it's a great matchup for Bobby Portis, but at least you can give Bobby in spurts. I think Bobby, the way his attitude is, he can kind of just get in, in someone's head. You bring that sort of junk dog, junkyard dog mentality. And yeah, you could also throw Giannis on him if need be. I think Giannis can handle Embiid. I don't think Giannis is necessarily scared of Embiid. It was interesting that Giannis didn't want to go up to Embiid when he turned the ball over and trying to hit, I think it was Nora in the corner. I might have been Middleton. But regardless, like Giannis is not going to stand down to Embiid. Giannis can handle Embiid. I think, you know, Matisse Thibel's good, but Holiday did all right against Matisse Thibel in moments. And I forget how small Matisse Thibel is. For some reason, I thought Matisse Thibel was like 6'7 or 6'6. Now he's kind of short. And so that definitely impacts what they want to do with Thibel. They'd have to go really small if Thibel was out there in their closing lineups. And the sneaky thing about about Philly is I think they're going to get worse defensively with Harden. They just are. Like, I love Georges Niang. I Georges Niang's the kind of guy that it makes me mad. It's like, what are the Bucs scouts doing? Niang was an awesome college player. Niang was great at Iowa State. I loved watching Niang at Iowa State. I realize I am one of one here. I realize that I'm not a scout. But how the fuck did no one look at Niang and be like, yeah, this guy can be an NBA player? Niang's good. Like, Niang's a legitimate role player. And I think he'll be good with with what Philly wants to do. Corkmaz, I always liked because he killed the Bucs, but Corkmaz has not been the same player that he once was. He's just having a bad year. And so maybe he'll find it, maybe he won't. Let's hope he doesn't. And Maxie's fun and exciting. But again, what's Maxie going to look like with James Harden? So like this Philly team, I think is all right. And I also would implore all of you, if you're mad about this, to listen to Ryan Rosillo's podcast on Wednesday. I talked about it on yesterday's show too. So Ryan... These are free ad reads, dude. So if you you know want to slip me a few shackles, I understand. All right, 
But seriously, like he talks about how Embiid has such a high usage rate and those teams, when it comes to playoffs, do not always do well. And they finish, I think it was like they're two and 18 in terms of getting past the second round. So there is that part of it, right? I think you have to understand that this is not a end of the world situation. This is not a panic button. You'd love to go in. You love going hot. I think another positive of this was that Jordan Nora, you know, really played well against a contender, against a big team. And Jordan Nora seems to do well in the starting rotation. Now, can Jordan Nora be a starter? No, it's just we don't have enough bodies, okay? How does Jordan Nora translate being a start, the confidence of being a starter with coming off the bench. He has to figure that out because the Jordan Nora I saw yesterday is a Jordan Nora I can win with in the in the in the the postseason. He needs to get better defensively. I know his defense is an issue. Um, they can hunt Jordan Nora. That is a that's a problem. But I, I do think you can put him in in spurts and he can light it up. So how do you balance that is one of those things. The other part of it that I, I'll put on Bud, I haven't criticized Bud in forever, but he like didn't know what his closing lineup was. Like he had his closing lineup. It was like a Baca, it was Nora, and it was yeah, obviously Giannis, Holiday, Middleton. Like that was the lineup. And for some reason he puts in Bobby Portis for a little bit. And it's like, what are you doing? Abaka's let Abaka finish this, and maybe it's ma- load management, whatever. Um, but I I do think that they're going to be okay with against Embiid, and I think this is just one game. Now the idea of Giannis and Embiid in a playoff matchup is awesome to me. I think that to me is the number one matchup that the league should want to see. To me, Giannis and Embiid are the two best players in the NBA. They will be one and two. I think Giannis is one and it's there's a gap, but I, I do think Embiid is right there. I think Embiid has made a case for MVP. I think it's wild that Giannis is not being considered. I think if you put their stats together, I think Giannis is better. There's a real opportunity <laughs> that, and it's crazy like the comparison, right? But it, it, it feels vaguely similar to 94 with the Rockets and Spurs. Remember, David Robinson, you probably don't remember because not a lot of you were alive or you were barely, barely sort of kicking. But David Robinson wins MVP that year. Hakeem has a really good year. Hakeem has just as good of a year, if not better. But David Robinson, you know, the Spurs are kind of a hot team. They're, they burst onto the scene. And the Spurs and Rockets meet in the playoffs. And the Rockets were a sixth seed that year. Uh, the Rockets... Did not play. Oh, that, that was that was ninety four. They won. The, they got the finals. That was not the sixth seed year, but so I apologize. But the Rockets were very good. Uh, the Rockets were a contender, and the Rockets and Spurs met in the playoffs. And Akeem Olajuwon ate his lunch, and Akeem Olajuwon basically altered the thought thought of David Robinson the rest of the way. Let's say that can't happen with Giannis and Embiid. I, I think there it's a real chance. It's a real chance that we're going to basically have another version of Robinson Olajuwon. It's on the table. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's definitely on the table. Um, So look back. Go look back at that series. That's a little homework. Go look back at the Spurs Rockets in 94 and see, like, the stat lines of Hakeem and see the stat lines of David Robinson. It's it's wild. Um, So to me, that's definitely possible, and I think it would be great for the league. I think they're the two best young stars. I think... When it comes to the East, obviously people are going to want to see Philly, Philly and Brooklyn, all right? 
But I don't know if Philly and Brooklyn is going to be that great of a matchup. It, it's great for NBA Twitter. NBA Twitter would love it. But are we really getting a ton from Embiid versus Kevin Durant? I, I mean, they have dueled before. The shit talking would be like at another level. Um, I think it would be absolutely crazy in terms of just the the energy that would be in the gym and everybody would be so locked into that series. But I just think Giannis and Embiid would be so much better to watch. I think getting a round two of Giannis and Durant would be fun, um, especially if Giannis were to win again um, and sort of put the final nail in the coffin for that. Um, that, to me, is the other one that's on the table. Giannis versus the Heat is always going to be a big matchup, just considering it's a rivalry. I think the same with Giannis versus the Rockets, uh, or Rockets, Raptors, excuse me. Just because Giannis has lost twice to the Raptors in the postseason. So Raptors have been a thorn in the side. Nick Nurse has given fits to Mike Budenholzer. Nick Nurse is definitely a better coach than Mike Budenholzer. And it shows in the in-game situations. And then the last one is probably Bulls, Bulls, Bulls versus Giannis. DeRozan versus Giannis. Again, a, a weird one because Giannis could basically go to town all day. I don't know if the same could be said for DeRozan. There's that Midwest angle, Milwaukee, Chicago, that, that thing would heat up a lot if this was a postseason matchup. And then the last one I think is Milwaukee, Cleveland. And it would be basically the young, the young Evan Mobley against Giannis. And how would Evan Mobley do against Giannis Antetokounmpo? And I think it would look probably a lot like young Giannis, honestly. Um, so it would be a weird sort of looking glass moment. But Giannis versus Embiid is, is the best like interconference matchup. It just is. It, there's nothing I think that comes close. I'd love to hear it. You can tweet me, tab in the keg if you have anything better. But I would love to see Giannis and Embiid in the playoffs. I think Mitch would lose like a lot of his hair. I think I would as well. Um, it, playoff basketball is something else. <laughs> I tell you, like, it's just, it, it does a lot to you. Um, and been there before, but it's it's still going to gonna rip your heart out at some point. But yeah, I'm definitely excited for the this stretch. I realize the Bucks are playing some really hard competition upcoming. I think when they play Brooklyn next Saturday, you're going to, you'd want Durant. Durant's still bothering by that knee, but I think you'll have Simmons and, and, and Kyrie. I'd be surprised if Ben Simmons isn't back by the, after the All-Star break. It feels like that's an ample amount of time for Ben Simmons to get acclimated, um, and we'll see. But I don't know. Maybe Ben Simmons doesn't want to start his journey back on ABC, but or maybe he does. I mean, I, I think there are a case to be made for both. So we have the All-Star Weekend. Giannis is involved with the skills matchup. We also have Giannis, obviously, in the All-Star game. Chris Middleton there, too. Um, really tough look for Middleton. He's had a bad week, and now he goes to the All-Star game. It's like getting honored at work after just having a shit week. You know, it's like, it's basically the same feeling. Um, but who knows? Maybe Middleton, you know, again, kind of feeds off it, and it leads to a good sort of post-All-Star break uh, run for him because he's been bad this year, and there's no there's no real way to seem like it fix. It just seems like this is just kind of who Middleton has been this year, and hopefully gets better as we get closer to the postseason. Lastly, I wanted to just touch quickly on how enjoyable not having football is on Sunday. You're like, Charlie... What do you mean? Football Sundays, it's great. Look, I love football Sundays. I, there's there's nothing better than sitting down, 
watching a game game at noon, watching a game at 325, watching a game at 720, and just doing football for basically 10 hours. But there's a lot that goes into it. First of all, you are basically, you know, you don't want to do anything with your significant other. Not to say that you can't, but it's like football takes a lot of time out of your day. It's like, it's also too why when something gets asked to me during the football season, I'm like, I have like 18 or 19 of these. I think it's 21 or 22 total where it's like, I don't necessarily want to use up one of my Sundays to, to go do this. And that's sort of an attitude that I think a lot of people have with sort of the football. So you have that, it frees it up. You can do some errands, you can kind of bounce around. You don't necessarily have to make sure that by noon you have all your bets in, you have all your fantasy lineups in, you have everything you need to do. Like there is less of that. Like you can sleep in and be okay. Like some of us might've slept till 10.30 because they got too drunk on Saturday night two weeks ago and you're okay, that's okay because there's no football on Sunday. If that was a football Sunday, I would be like in absolute panic that I have to get everything ready for that noon start. And I'd be like, oh my God, I am not prepared at all. But in this scenario, I was fine because I, you know, there's there was no football to worry about. I was all right. You have golf, which is great. And it's a great golf tournament. The Genesis Invitational is fantastic. It's at Riviera. You have star a star-laden group. I think, you know, when the dust settles, you're gonna have some top golfers on Sunday afternoon to watch. Riviera is a beautiful course. It's a great tournament to enjoy. So I think we're all going to benefit from that. You have both Marquette and Wisconsin in action on Sunday as well, which helps. I really do. It sucks that neither of them are playing Saturday. It's one last thing on Saturday. It does free up your Saturday a little bit. Maybe post Valentine's Day plans, who knows. But Sunday, you get Marquette and Wisconsin. Whether you like both, whether you like one, you at least get that as well. So like you're not going to necessarily miss football a lot on Sundays because you're going to have basketball. You're going to have college. March Madness will be there. You'll have the NBA. I think the Bucks and Suns. I think that's is that I think that's like early March or I think that's March 6th, right? Bucks Suns, that's like a 2:30 game. Like that and weather's going to get nicer. You're not going to necessarily feel that responsibility of football. You just won't. And I think it's it's a lot better than people make it out to be. I do agree that once you get into the summer, once you get further away from football, it definitely hurts. It definitely is one of those things where as the as the time wanes on, you're like, wow, could really use like a college football Saturday here, or could really use the NFL. Those, those baseball games where the Brewers are getting pumped like eight to one and you're like, God, there's nothing else to watch. And the golf tournament sucks and you're like, all right, I guess, guess I'll go do something else. Guess I'll go read or something. Like I, I don't have anything left to watch or I guess I'll go binge some show. Uh, yeah, that, those are the days you miss football, but not yet. I will say that I think football gets missed once we get out of basketball. Once we get out of basketball, once we... Once we are just in baseball season for that short time period, that's when things really sort of become reality. But it's it's a short period. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are getting training camp starting and college football is getting going. And we're debating about the next season. Who could be the Super Bowl contender? Who could be the MVP? It'll be back before you know it, baby. And because of the the longer season, I think you're going to feel like football's suddenly back. 200 days is not that long. 
All right, take care. Enjoy the weekend. I didn't talk too much about either of the matchups that, that Marquette and Wisconsin play. Marquette at a red-hot Creighton. Critical game, though, for Marquette. Creighton right now is number four in the Big East. Marquette's number five. Uh, Creighton right now has, I think, one more, one last loss than Marquette does. Same amount of wins. Um, so this is a really big game for Marquette. I don't feel great about it, just considering the fact that Marquette has not really looked good in the last week. Um, and now you face a Creighton team that is not only hot, but also playing at home, where it's a really tough environment. So I am not going to tell you to invest in anything come uh, Marquette and Creighton. Lastly, um, with Wisconsin and Michigan, I think it should be a really good game. Michigan kind of getting hot. Michigan on the bubble, desperately needing to keep winning games and getting quality wins. Uh, Wisconsin needed Johnny Davis down the stretch against Indiana to bail them out. Now, that Indiana win was very good for Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin trying to keep pace with Purdue, Illinois, and Ohio State who all have four losses, just like the Badgers do. Um, so they, they need to keep winning games um, to stay on top of the Big Ten standings and also that elusive double buy. You definitely want that double buy, and you can't lose games at home. So we'll see if the energy level's different there for Wisconsin. You know, the one of the criticisms of the Rutgers game was that just it seemed like the fans were completely disengaged that entire game. There wasn't enough juice in the stadium. Marquette has dealt with that in the past too, um, where the white hairs just seem to just not give a shit. So we'll see what the juice is like in the stadium for that one um, and we'll see if Wisconsin can pull out a victory and kind of get back to their winning ways at home so we'll see what happens on Sunday for both of the teams we'll see what happens all-star weekend any Packers news we'll talk about it all we'll have topics next week I'm not worried about the all-star break we'll be fine Mitch will be back next week he had a rough week so he took the week off I didn't I don't know if I even acknowledged that yesterday but yeah Mitch Mitch has been going through it so he needed a week off that's fine uh we'll back with Mitch next week um as well as whole host of others so take care guys have an awesome awesome Friday. Have a great weekend and we'll uh, we'll talk Monday. All right, see you. Bye.